Hi, I'm Andrew J. Boyle. Welcome to North by Norway. It's the pit of winter. And in fact, there's a midwinter storm blowing, which might be audible now and again. These are the dark and sombre days between Christmas and Epiphany on the 6th of January that are only slightly illuminated by the fireworks of New Year. Throughout history, this period has been seen as insecure. If one believes in that invisible membrane between this world and the underworld, well, at no other time of the year is it so thin as at midwinter. The magical, immortal creatures of superstition can almost punch through and touch us, and the layers separating the living and the dead is a mere tissue of existence, and perhaps even that thin layer is an illusion. This is how people thought in pre-modern Norway, when there were many customs, rituals and traditions associated with midwinter. It was important to respect the underworld, and important to remember the dead. At no other time of the year was it more imperative to observe the rules of society, to acknowledge the conventions that were deemed necessary to keep society's wheels turning. For at no other time of the year could the consequences of misconduct be so disastrous for an individual, or a family, or a community. Well, have you? Have you observed the customs hallowed by time? If not, then beware. Tonight the hunt may ride. Tonight the hunt may try to carry you away. The wild hunt of Odin, the Oskoraya. Loud through the air of the night they thunder. Horses and riders in teeming crowds. Tearing the sky and horizon asunder, and under their hooves only scudding clouds, they cross over valley and mountain and field in a tumult of war cries and beating of shield. Any traveller this night will be filled with foreboding to hear the stampede of the wild hunt of Odin. That mighty god Thor in a chariot of war stands in the vanguard and raises his hammer, strikes his great shield maybe three times or more, throwing horrible light on the hunt and the clamour. Cow horns are blown in a fanfare abrupt, and uproars of bells and shouting erupt. Each terrified soul that has heard this alarm takes shelter at home. Round the hearth of the farm. This poem about the wild midwinter hunt 
under the leadership of the Norse gods, was written by the Norwegian poet Johann Sebastian Velhaven in 1844, a time when folk culture in rural Norway was being re-evalued by the cultural elite. The fear of the Oskoraya is anchored in one of the old beliefs widespread in Norway appertaining to midwinter and how it should be navigated. And I'll come back to the wild hunt at the end of the podcast. But first, I want to look at three other midwinter traditions that, until quite recently, gripped the Norwegian imagination. Like so many other customs in so many other lands, they have rather been trodden into the midwinter snowdrifts by the juggernaut that is Christmas as gift-wrapped for us all by American commercial and popular culture. Growing up in the UK as I did, I was familiar with a good many old winter and Christmas traditions that differed from those I heard about when I came to Norway, and in many instances, the customs that had survived strongest in Britain had their origins in the upper classes, in the mansions of the aristocracy, in the royal courts, and in the liturgical rituals performed in cathedrals and churches by an educated elite clergy. I'm thinking of the prolonged feasts, the singing of seasonal sacred music, and the merry customs around Twelfth Night, whether it be entertainments at court, or the wassailing tradition of the feudal lord deigning to humour his servants and peasants with some small gift of food and drink. In contrast to these, the ancient traditions I want to mention are typical of Norway's midwinter superstitions and customs in that they all have their origins in the daily workings of the farm or fishing community and in the daily lives of farm workers or fishermen. Why not in the upper classes as in other countries? Well, since the 14th century, there has barely been anything one would recognise as a titled aristocracy in Norway. The Black Death broke the back of the old Norway of the Viking overlords. The population was decimated, the economy of Norway was ruined, the country had its best prospects in a union with Denmark. Fast forward to the end of the Napoleonic Wars, what for centuries had been a very diluted aristocracy was finally done away with entirely in 1814, when Norway's radical leaders, emboldened by the French and American revolutions, wrote the country's new constitution. So it is against the background of a flat class structure of farming and fishing communities that we can best understand the old midwinter traditions in Norway. The three I want to look at are Haugebunden, the ancient farm elf, Julebukken, Norway's own version of the mumming traditions common across Europe, and Eldbjörgdagen, the day when the glowing light in the hearth was honoured. 
O te vaden square. This is the ancient ballad Haugemunden. Known in countless versions in the rural and coastal regions of Norway. Haugebunnen means literally the mound farmer or the farmer in the mound. What sort of mound we're talking about depends on your geography. In farming communities, the mound was the huge pile of rocks that had been cleared from the land to create this farm, and the mound farmer was the elfin spirit of the original settler of this farmland who had cleared the fields. In coastal communities, the mound was the burial cairn raised over the ship, often a Viking ship, of the sailor and warlord who had brought affluence to his community. In this case, the mound farmer is the elfin spirit of the chieftain. Common to both, Haugebunden was there to protect the farm as it passed from generation to generation. He was a diminutive figure, only rarely seen, but throughout the year he kept watch on the workings of the farm, looked in on the animals to check their welfare, maybe lent a helping hand when no one was looking. Eventually, the figure of Haugebunden melted together with the rural elf known as the Nissa or Lovenissa, that is to say, the barn elf. Every farm in Norway, from Polar north to Skagerrak south, has its Nissa superstitions. Like Haugebunden, the Nissa helps out on the farm when no one is looking, or at least he helps if he feels wanted and respected. If not, he can be mischievous and unruly. He is, after all, a proud and ancient figure of the underworld. Every child in Norway knows the way to keep on the good side of the farm elf. You must ply him with food and drink at Christmas. Even today, yes, even in the best homes of both Christians and rationalists, a bowl of porridge and a glass of juice will be carried to an outhouse on Christmas Eve. You know, just in case. In his typical farming attire of centuries past, grey woollen jacket, knee-length breeches and floppy red hat, the magical farm Nissa has survived for centuries. But he's got a real fight on his hands now, against the Coca-Cola Santas, and all the other ho-ho-hoing fat men with beards that flood our screens and shops in the Christmas season. Now, 
the Yuletide Goat. Like the respect shown to the Haugemunnen at midwinter, this too is a, a really fascinating ritual because of the historic depths from which it derives. As far back as written records go, we see farming communities choosing a goat for their midwinter feast, a custom that is thought to have its roots in a fertility rite, something that was especially important as the fulcrum of the old year tipped over again, pointed towards longer days and warmer weather. Well, one needed the gods of fertility on your side. In more recent centuries, not only in Norway, but across Scandinavia and parts of northern Europe, the actual Yuletide goat gained a metaphoric brother. To liven the days between Christmas and Epiphany, 13th day of Christmas, a great goat puppet was made to lead a procession of the liveliest young men in a village from farm to farm. Here's a description of the practice from Helgeland, in northern Norway. The leader of the Julebuk youths carries on a pole a mask made either from the skull of the goat or from its cranial skin, and the jaw is arranged so that it can be opened and closed at will. The pelt of the goat is draped over the leader's shoulders. The skull and pelt were removed from the Yuletide goat when it was slaughtered, and put aside for the Julebuk custom. Well, in some instances, this already pretty alarming figure could be even more frightening. Flint and fire steel were attached to its throat in such a fashion that every time the jaw opened, sparks flew out. In ways that predate similar customs now associated with Halloween, the young people in processions with the Yuletide goat would dress up in outlandish costumes, so as not to be recognised, and the whole group would move from farm to farm, demanding food and drink. There are still remnants of this custom in rural communities today. On the 14th day of Christmas, that is to say the 7th of January, it was the custom in many parts of the country, or Kaste Juli Ut, to throw Christmas out. The day became known as Eldbjörgdagen, the day of the Eldbjör ritual. Eldbjör being a Norse word, probably meaning to save from fire. We can hear what this means in one historic description from the Telemark village of Seljord in 1786. On this day, the local people drink a toast in beer to honour the returning light of the sun. The wife in the house enters the cottage with the bowl of beer, turns to the flame in her hearth, and drinks a toast to the fire. She then splashes some of the beer on the flames while chanting these words. So high for you, my fire, but let not your desire be to climb any higher. 
With this custom, it is believed that the household protects itself from a house fire in the new year. The bowl of beer is now passed around, but when it is nearly empty, the last person bends over and grabs the bowl with his or her teeth, then throws it backwards over their shoulder. If it lands bottom up, that person's life will end in this new year. Ooh, a frightening and dramatic turn of events. And that can certainly be said of that most spectacular of all Norwegian superstitions, the wild midwinter hunt, Oskoraya. The Oskoraya defies all reason, riding the winter's blackest nights, riding through the Christmas season, carousing again with trolls and with sprites. Low they swoop over barn and stable, the terrible hunt of legend and fable. With good customs, farmer, the spirits placate, or the Oskoraya will stop at your gate. We heard at the start of the podcast that the wild hunt, galloping across land or across water or even clouds, was thought to terrorise farmers who had not followed the strictures of society. There seemed to have been sightings of this unholy hunt across all parts of Norway and across many centuries. In the earliest narratives, the hunt is led by a woman called Guro Rysarova, that means Guro Horsetail, and she is often accompanied by Sigurd Fovnesbane, both of these figures well known from the ancient saga literature. Here are a couple of witnesses to the Oskoraya. First, a man from Nartadal, who late one night made his way home from Jartal in the dark. As he walked along, he heard behind him a terrible din, and when he turned to look, he saw the Oskoraya come galloping. There was a great noise of horse bells and weapons being fired off, as well as a great deal of shouting and quarrelling among the riders. Guru's troop were annoyed with her because they were hungry, but she replied that they should wait until they got to Nartadal, for there there would be plenty to eat both for them and for the horses. When the man heard this, he trembled and was afraid because he realised it was his own farm and storehouse that Guru and her wild hunt were going to raid. The riders were now so close to him, there was no way he could make his escape. He threw himself out of the way and laid himself down on his back on the ground, with his arms stretched out like a crucifix. When Guru came right before him, she stopped and shouted to her followers, Wait! Look! There is a sign of the cross. They didn't dare ride past the man, but instead made a long detour. 
This gave the man enough time to get back to his farm. Take his tar brush and make a sign of the cross over the doors of all his barns and houses. And here's a tale of a man called Steinar Ormensson from Skarperud. Steinar was the great-grandfather of the Steinar Ormensson, who now farms at Skarperud. One Christmas Eve, he saw the Oskoraya. It seemed to him that the hunt appeared out of the mountain that lies to the east of his farm, and rode down to the field and stopped there. It was a fine, open and flat piece of land. They took the saddles off the horses and started a dance that was high-spirited and lively. Guro led all the dances, and to Steinar she seemed the most attractive girl he had ever laid eyes on, although she was indeed hefty and buxom. However, as she whirled in the dance, Steinar caught sight of her tail and before he could stop himself, he had called out from his hiding place, Guro, your tail is showing! And at that moment, the whole throng of them threw themselves onto their horses and rushed up into the sky with the most terrifying commotion and uproar. And to Steiner, it seemed that they vanished into the mountain called the Black Canyon. At first, I thought this was startling, that there had been so many sightings of something that one would expect to be rather seldom. Well, I mean, a midwinter stampede of the dead of the underworld on flying horses. But while I was preparing this podcast, I listened to a BBC documentary about how many people in the UK and America think they have seen E.T., extraterrestrials in their UFOs. And, well, a few things seem to fall into line. As I mentioned, Oscoraya means the terrible or terrifying ride. But the word Osco closely resembles Oscor which is, of course, the name of the great fortress home of the Norse gods. So, during the 19th century, as the Norwegians revived the legends of the ancient gods, so the name of the frightening Oskoraya gradually changed to Oskorjaraya. And the saga figures of Guru and Sigurd were demoted. Now the greatest gods of all, Odin and Thor, led the charge of the midwinter hunt. The lasting appeal of this wonderful legend is illustrated by the fact that the enormously popular video game Assassin's Creed has one particularly challenging quest called the Oscoraya Festival. Next time, La Norderie, Norwegians in Paris. But for now, tusen tack for that to hurt Thanks for listening. <laughs>